cards can illuminate your past, clarify your present, and show you the future. And that's basically what this episode is all about. <laughs> Thank you and good night, I guess. Anyways, hi, I'm Jay, and welcome to my podcast. On today's episode of The Sixth Swim Life, I'm going to be going through something which I have a lot of experience in, not to flex. Divination, also known as clairvoyance, if not known as that, just fortune telling, I guess. And just generally what it's all about. So, grab some drinks, snacks, make yourself comfy, and do whatever you need to do. Because this is episode 7 of The Sixth Swim Life. So let's get started. Now I know a lot of people are probably thinking, what is divination? Let me just clear this up for you. According to Britannica.com, divination is the practice of determining the hidden significance or cause of events, sometimes foretelling the future, by various natural, psychological and other techniques. Found in all civilizations, both ancient and modern, it is encountered most frequently in contemporary mass society in the form of horoscopes, astrology, crystal gazing, tarot cards, and the Ouija board. However, there are also other ways to go around this. For now, let's start with tarot cards. Now, according to Wikipedia, the tarot is a pack of playing cards used from at least the mid-15th century in various parts of Europe to play games such as Italian Tarocini, French Tarot, and Austrian Koenigrufen, many of which are still played today. In the late 18th century, however, some tarot decks began to be used for divination via tarot card readings and cartomancy leading to custom decks developed for such occult purposes. The earliest evidence of a tarot deck to use the cartomancy comes from an anonymous manuscript from around 1750, which documents rudimentary divinatory meanings for the cards of the Tarocco Bolognese. The popularization of esoteric tarot started with the Antoine Quartz and Jean-Baptiste Aliente, also known as Adelia, in Paris during the 1780s, using the tarot and masserie. French tarot players abandoned the Masserie tarot in favour of the tarot nouveau in around 1900, with the results of the Masserie pattern was now being used mostly by cartomancers. In occult usage, a tailor was the first to issue a tarot deck specifically designed for occult purposes around 1789. I'm sorry, I had to. Now, keeping with the unsubstantiated belief that such cards were derived from the Brook of Foth, a tailor's tarot contained themes related to ancient Egypt. The 78-card tarot deck, used by esotericists, has two distinct parts, the Major Arcana and the Minor Arcana. Now, the Major Arcana consists of 22 cards without any suits, these being as follows. The Fool, the Magician, the High Priestess, the Empress, the Emperor, the Hierophant, the Lovers, the Chariot, Strength, the Hermit, Wheel of Fortune, Justice, the Hanged Man, Death, Temperance, the Devil, the Tower, the Star, the Moon, the sun, judgment, and the world. Cards from the magician to the world are numbered in Roman numerals, spanning from I to XXI. However, the fool is the only unnumbered card, sometimes being placed at the beginning or the end of the deck as either zero or XXII. Then we have the minor arcana, consisting of 56 cards dividing into four suits of 14 cards each. Those being 10 numbered cards and four court cards. The court cards being the king, the queen, the knight, and the page or jack, in each four tarot suits. Now in traditional Italian tarot cards, the suits are as follows. The swords, the batons, the queens, and the cups. In modern occult tarot decks, however, the baton suit is normally called wands, rods, or staves, while the coin suit is often called pentacles or discs. 
Now, personally, in my deck, as I read, I normally have the full being the beginning of the deck as the zero. And with my suits, I have swords, the wands, the cups, and the pentacles. Now, normally, how I do my readings is that I'll have the cards and I'll shuffle through them. And depending what number pops into my head or what vibe I get, or like the whole aura, I use that in the deck. So for example, let's say I'm doing a reading for someone and then all of a sudden I feel that today should be a seven card reading. So I'll go alongside the seven cards and I'll pull out seven, I'll scroll through the deck, whatever shows itself shall show and I'll place them down in a certain appearance. They'll all be face down of course. Then I allow the person that I'm reading to contribute to said reading. So, for example, I'll tell them, here are the cards, they're all face down. If you want to rotate any of them, or like invert it, then that's your choice. You can pick whatever, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Most of the time they do. Some don't, however, and that's totally fine. For that is still a contribution. But for those who do, they usually pick a couple to a few, and they'll be like, I want this one turned, and this one turned, and this one turned, and, you know, you do as they say. Now, depending if the reading is a general reading, or if it's a reading specific, so for example, love, wealth, or it has a question alongside it, depends on how the reading adds context. So for example, let's say somebody wants to know their career, what their career is going to be like. They would have a question in mind connected to career, which would be the question I've just said, what will it be like? And the reading would correspond to that said question and answer it. Sometimes you will get the odd reading, however, where another card should be added as almost like a confirmation of the ending of the reading. And I think it's only ever happened to me a couple of times where I've had to go back to the cards to get another one to then either validate what I'm reading, confirm what I'm reading or answer something that's missing. Usually this happens with people that don't show within the reading or their reading is very hard. I will also mention this within palm readings as well. Some people are just harder to read than others and that's totally fine. And like, of course, there are certain rules in how you read tarot cards. So for example, my main rule is you can't lie, no matter how harsh the cards are talking. Because at the end of the day, this person has come to you and asked for a reading and you're supposed to give it to them. You can't exactly bend the truth of the tarot because then you're not using the tarot to its full potential and plus this person just asked you for their fortune i think they deserve to know and if this does ever happen to someone that i'm reading i'll normally turn around to them and i'll state that this card talks about triggering topics and if they want to talk about it and go forward with me continuing on this part of the reading then I'll carry on and if they don't, then we won't and we'll go to the next card. At the end of the day, it's their choice. You could be possibly intruding in something in the past, so you kind of have to be gentle about these topics. However, the person reading should know that at the end of the day, whatever comes out of the reading is there. There's no changing that. Does that make sense? And at the end of the day, I think the person reading should know at least some basic knowledge of what tarot is. Because if you really don't have a clue what it is, then you are basically sitting duck. And it leads to a lot of misconceptions, which honestly drive me up the fucking wall. A big example being the death card. Or you could also argue the devil card. 
Now, the misconceptions of this is that if I'm doing a reading and let's say death comes up or the devil, people start shitting themselves. And I think this is just kind of due to lack of knowledge or just pure ignorance. Just because someone gets the death card or the devil does not mean that the devil is with them or they're gonna die. It usually means that, well, in the case of the devil, it normally means that someone is, you know, very significant to them that is acting in that manner. Usually meaning someone of an extroverted demeanor, very bravado, very cocky, that kind of thing. Whereas with death, it kind of actually means new beginning. It just depends on the context of the reading. But of course, people don't care about context, then they start shitting themselves as soon as they see these cards. If anything, you should be shitting yourself about the tower. Now that's a bad card. Carrying on. And like, I understand as to why people would have this misconception, but it's not that hard to search it up. Luckily though, people who I normally read have some form of knowledge of what tower it is, or at least know of it. Whether that be from good things like actual people that do tarot themselves, or from shit things like TikTok. TikTok's amazing for spreading awareness of a lot of things, however, in the sense of divination and like clairvoyance and tarot and palm readings and dream readings etc etc it's it's a bit debatable because okay sure they are spreading awareness of what it's all about but you can't read like that that is not a tarot reading because a tarot reading is in someone's name you're just doing it for the sake of it and so many people are gonna see it so it's clearly not gonna be in anyone's name is it you just can't you can't do that it just doesn't work and the amount of people that turn around to me and being like hey i know what those are they're on tiktok and i'm just sat here thinking good to know before having to quickly explain what the fuck tarot is like actually it's just a little bit annoying in my opinion but it is better than nothing <laughs> break time this is your intermission block i repeat this is your intermission block Pause here so you can replenish your drink and food stack, possibly make yourself more comfy, take a loo, or do whatever you need to do. And I shall see you in a bit. Now to the people who actually did pause, welcome back. I hope you've replenished your drink and food snack, you've taken a loo, you've made yourself more comfortable, and you've done whatever you needed to do. And to the people who didn't pause, mainly because they've already got enough snacks and drinks to last them a whole fucking lifetime, they're already comfy, they don't need a loo, or they're doing what they need to do, or I've already done it, welcome back as well. For the second half of this episode, we're going to dive into different types of divination, and what they're all about basically. So let's get into it, starting with the next topic, palm readings. Now palmistry, also known as palm reading, chiromancy, or chirology, is the practice of fortune telling through the study of the palm. The practice is found all over the world with numerous cultural variations. And those who practice this are generally called palmists, hand readers, hand analysts, and chirologists. Now, palmistry in ancient speaking is a practice common to different places in the Eurasian landmass. That meaning Europe and Asia. Examples being India, Nepal, Tibet, China, Persia, Sumeria, Jinan, and Babylonia. Basically how it goes is that there's a guy who was known for acupuncture called Yoshiaki Omura, describing the roots in Hindu astrology, Chinese, and Roma fortune tellers. If anyone doesn't know what Roma is, it's uh, Romani, basically the proper word for gypsy. However, of course, it's easier to say Romani or Slavic 
due to its connotations. Several thousand years ago, the Hindu sage Valmiki is thought to have written a book compromising 567 stanzas, the title of which translates in English as The Teachings of Valmiki Maharshi on Male Palmistry. From India, the art of palmistry spread to China, Tibet, Egypt, Persia and other countries within Europe. In the Renaissance, palmistry was classified as one of the seven forbidden arts, along with necromancy, geomancy, aromancy, pyromancy, hydromancy and spatulamacy. These all being as follows. Necromancy, bringing people back from the dead. Geomancy, using Earth's natural elements as divination products. Aromancy, doing divination via weather conditions. Pyromancy, divination and means of fire. Hydromancy, using divination via water. And spatulamacy, using divination via bones. During the 16th century, the art of palmistry was actively suppressed by the Catholic Church, with both Pope Paul IV and Pope Sixtus V issuing papal edicts against various forms of divination, including palmistry. Now, the reason for this is because most people within Europe at this time were of Catholic religion. And basically the point is, is that Catholics believe that God knows the future. God is both omnipotent and omniscient. Basically stating that God is beyond space and time and God has the power of everything. So having divination come up, basically, well, to Catholics, states that, hey, we can figure out the future, not God which clearly offends everyone, because no one's that stupid to go to God's level. Of course not. Plus, on top of that, no one's gonna go as far as telling the future via disobeying God's rules. Well, at that point anyway. So after the Renaissance, palmistry just kind of disappears for a bit. Then we go into modern palmistry. Basically, palmistry experienced a revival in the modern era with this book that got published in 1839. Alongside this, the Chirological Society of Great Britain was founded in London by Catherine St. Hill in 1889 with the stated aim to advance and systemate the art of palmistry and to prevent charlatans from abusing the art. Alongside this, a dude named Edgar de Valcourt Vermont founded the American Chirological Society in 1897 three years before the newsboy strike. I think my point is proven. Carrying on. A pivotal figure in the modern palmistry movement was the Irishman, William John Warner, known by his sobriquet, Chiro. A sobriquet is a nickname, by the way. After studying under gurus in India, he set up a palmistry practice in London and enjoyed a wide following of famous clients from around the world including famous celebrities. This guy basically ended up being so famous that people that didn't even believe in this shit were still getting their hands read. I believe it, so I'm not fast. Now, alongside its pros, there are also some cons. The cons being criticism. Now, criticism of palmistry often rests with the lack of empirical evidence supporting the efficacy. In short, basically, this is like going up to a palm reader and saying, hey, there's no proof that this shit works. I'm not gonna believe it. And according to scientific literature, it normally typically regards palmistry as a pseudoscientific or superstitious belief, which I completely disagree with. Skeptics often include palmists on the list of alleged psychics who practice cold reading. Cold reading is the practice that allows readers of all kinds, including palmists, to appear psychic by using high probability guessing and inferring details based on signals or clues from the other person. Basically, this is the posh way of saying that this is all bullcrap. Which is fine, you know, people can have their own opinions, but 
in my opinion, I think it works. I think it's real. And this is normally around the time where people start to bring religion into this. Now, although some Christians condemn palmistry as a form of divination, Jewish and Christian traditions are largely ambivalent about the whole thing in general. While some specific practices, such as necromancy and astrology, are condemned by biblical authors, some aren't, an example being dream interpretation. However, there's been a long tradition of practicing palmistry within both Jewish and Christian mysticism. Yeah, mysticism. Some practitioners within palmistry have also argued that the Bible doesn't oppose it. However, Islam strongly condemns divination or forms and considers palmistry to be haram. Haram being the Arabic word for forbidden. Now, according to quotes in the Quran, the Quran states, you are forbidden to seek knowledge of your fate by divining arrows, and those that practice such divination are explicitly called liars. But then here lies the problem. People interpret their religions differently, right? Just like people have their own opinions and beliefs. I could get a Catholic and a Quaker, and despite the fact that they both believe different things, they are still part of Christianity. And okay, sure, some Christians do commend it, but it doesn't state that all do. But eh. Bada bing bada boom. You have your opinions, I have my opinions, and I guess that's just it. And it's good to have opinions, otherwise uh, this world will just be dull, alongside beliefs. I think it's when people start shunning others due to beliefs, that's when it starts getting problematic. For example, the amount of people that have turned around and literally gone to others straight after readings and have said all my stuff is bullshit, is unbelievable. People have even done it while I'm doing readings and it's just plain annoying. The point of the reading is that someone wants to know something and I'm trying to give them said answers. But if someone else is gonna walk over while I'm doing a reading and go buzzing about saying that it's all bull crap and it's not real, then what? Like, just why? And I'm not fussed because, you know, as much as I have my own opinions, people have their own opinions too. But I'm trying to do a job here. You can state your own opinions as much as you want, but not while I'm doing a reading. When I'm doing a reading, whether that be dream, palm or tarot, I need to have all my focus on the person I'm reading to. Not you blabbering on about stuff. P.S. When I'm saying you, I'm just saying as like in general. I don't actually mean you as in you listening. And you know what? I think we're at a good ending point, but... Before I do end this episode, I have a little message. This is a shout out to Radek. Congratulations on your first ever girlfriend. I understand that you've been going through a rough patch recently and just always remember that God took them out of your life because he saw an opportunity that you didn't. You deserve the world. And hashtag always remember that you are a shiny star. Never fall into the shadows. This is from your dear friend, QP. I hope you like it. And I think with that last message, it's the end of the episode. Thank you ever so much for listening. I know that this has been a short episode, but hopefully the next one will be bigger. Again, thank you ever so much for listening and I hope to see you soon. Cheers. Bye.